Hey there, Internet. I can't know for sure, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that you woke up this morning thinking, hey, if only there was a place I could hear a bunch of cool people talk about video games. Well, then we've got a show for you. From developer interviews to casual conversation, from exciting indie titles to fresh takes on your favorite games, this is the Gamers with Glasses Podcast. Folks, I'm Christian Haynes with Gamers and Glasses. Uh, I am joined tonight by Don Everhart. Hello. Roger Whitson. Hi. And Nate Schmidt. Hi there. We're doing another general episode this week. So, you know, no special topic. Uh, you know, I want to point out that we've got a couple great things in the feed, including an interview with Shane Denson about his book, Discorrelated Images. We will also be uh, uploading a spoiler cast of Psychonauts 2 this coming week. Uh, but without further ado, why don't we just move on to the games we're playing? And Don, do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, the games I'm playing, aside from Deathloop, which I, I'm going to think save for group discussion of it because a few of us are playing it, lately have been um, semi-3D kind of on rails games by uh, the developer treasure including sin and punishment star successor and wario world uh two very different games uh wario world for the gamecube sin and punishment star successor for the wii um and both really fun uh treasure has this way of putting together some very tightly designed games um even when they make a mascot platformer of the collectathon era, all of the collectibles actually do something. They all serve a purpose inside of the game. Um, they are not shy about putting in bosses of wild design and very diverse design um, in every level. Um, so compared to something like a Mario 64, where you have the occasional boss uh an occasional big boss fight against bowser in wario land every level gets a boss and they're almost all extremely bizarre there is a, a boss where um you kind of fight it and you can't really injure it until it goes into a shell game and then there's a shell game and if you guess correctly you can knock the boss out of the cup at which point wario can then pile drive it and take off one of its hit points uh in sin and punishment there's these multi-phase bosses where you're kind of on rails and it's kind of a shooter uh but you might ha be flying through a the industrial version of mount fuji as an active volcano on a different version of earth if i understand things correctly which i might not uh while you're shooting at a boss that's shooting back and then at a certain point you both leap onto a platform and it turns into a fist fight uh, between <laughs> you and the boss. Uh, and and it's just the sheer variety, the imagination that Treasure brings to these games together with uh, all of those things, you know, they, they might sound like a lot. All of those things come together in this really tight, fast gameplay makes them great games. Um, I'm, I'm just loving playing the stuff that they've made. And I am very excited to actually finally play the Nintendo 64 version of Sin and Punishment once that gets re-released on the Switch uh, at some time in the near future. That is that is going to be great. I've never been able to play it. It was a Japanese-only release at the time that it came out. Um, and although it has since had some translations and uh, ability to access it, um, I haven't found an easy way to do it compared to just 
downloading it through the Switch. That'll be great. Yeah, I was looking at Treasure's uh, game catalog, and I was trying to think, because I know I've played something by them, and I know I've played Ikaruga, but I think I also played Alien Soldier for the Sega, um, for the 16-bit Sega. Uh, but yeah, they get this whole era of, like, 2000, 2010, like, on-rail shooter games. That sounds great. I just wasn't around for this. There, there's just a ton of fun. I am a huge fan of rail shooters, um, of of any and all generations. I think they're so you're the some, one. <laughs> that's me. I, I'm the guy. I, I love Panzer Dragoon. Um, I regularly replay uh, the VR version of Res, which I think is probably one of, if not the best games in VR, despite the fact that it's a Sega Dreamcast game. Um, I just, I love that style of games. They're just fun to play. Nate, what have you got on your plate right now? Um, well, I've been getting my ass kicked in Bloodborne a lot. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was going to yeah. be... <laughs> you kids and your souls likes. <laughs> you thought it was going to be easy. Well, I did, the because the thing is, yeah, from the beginning, I was putting out so much more damage already, right, than I was in the beginning of Dark Souls. And so I thought... Well, you know, this isn't so bad. Like the first stage has a lot of guys, but also, you know, you kill them on your first run through and probably get killed by something. And then you can kind of run past them. Like if you get tired of dealing with them, you can run past them because they're kind of practice. Right. And then um, I, uh, I got to the cleric beast and I was like, okay, fairly typical, like big souls born boss if i get behind and just whack away at its ass really hard right and and then roll away when i see the cue for its one like back swipe thing i'll be fine took that out about three tries or so and then i hit gascoigne Good, good man. <laughs> so you Gascal and I know Wong. that this boss is a pain. <laughs> and I just like, <laughs> I'm at the point where I know that eventually I will just walk around and grind up to a high enough level where I'm putting out enough damage that I'll be able to kill him before he kills me. But it's kind of a painful process that I've honestly taking kind of a break from um in in favor of other things i'm waiting until scary season really starts on october 1st and then when scary season really gets going my plan is to sink my teeth back into bloodborne because it does have my favorite aesthetics of any of these kinds of games i like the scary uh sort of the dark fantasy kind of thing that that dark souls is up to but bloodborne's sort of gothic maze like thing is absolutely my jam in every conceivable way i love it it's why i still want to kill gascoin is because i want to see more of this world like that's my my motivation for sinking. that is good motivation (laughs) and you will be rewarded (laughs) i feel like there's a good lesson with gascoin in the sense that like he's so one he's very aggressive yeah it's a very aggressive boss early on like it's your second usually in these games you don't get the bosses until later i don't think like at least not in that sense and then two like he does the have, how far have you gotten in that fight oh i've had him down i tell you what okay. roger i tell you roger Whitson, <laughs> i had him down to i know it was one more hit i know it was but i got greedy he was doing the big wolf thing. And I thought, oh, it's just one more hit. Oh, I could swing it in there. And then he just swiped, swiped me right across the right across the pavement. Just wow. wiped the pavement with my What's your weapon you're using? The X. Yeah. That's a yeah. Good I like the X so far. But anyway, it's been uh it's been a journey. It will and you're right. It very much teaches you that this is the game where you fight back. Yeah. It's not the game where you get a shield and a spear and you hide right. behind it. It's the and game it takes- where instead of a shield, you have a gun, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and and if something hits you and you hit it back fast enough, you can get your health back. 
uh and you've just got to kind of do that back and forth but i don't know i, I had do really yeah yeah what do you, sorry no go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say that i do really love it i i i've already from the beginning and it's not just because it reminds me of the the pain and suffering of dark souls it's because it's <laughs> genuinely a really captivating world to be in like it's really i would say out of all the different ways that these games sort of, you know, famously do their world building in game. Uh, this is one of the worlds I've been most interested in. I really like mm-hmm. this one. I'm really fascinated mm-hmm. in how it works. I like the sort of creepy religious subtext. I'm all about that kind of stuff. I think it's really cool. I'm enjoying it. I will be enjoying it again. I enjoyed it for a few hours. I haven't enjoyed it for the last 10 or eight or 10 hours and i intend to continue enjoying it after i've gotten over this i think the last time a from software game made me experience the closest i get to pure rage at them was actually the cleric beast Um, oh really i i I had i had the opposite uh experience i i i'm I'm, it was a sword cane kind of guy mm, for Bloodborne. See, it's a strength versus dexterity thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I having a really good time with it. Um, and I got to uh, Cleric Beast and I really wanted to do Cleric Beast right. I wanted to shoot that thing in the face and have it crouch down and take that cane and plunge it straight into the bullet hole and just rip the face straight off. Because, and, and it's a gory game. I mean, it's Bloodborne. It's in the name. But, I mean, you just get showered in viscera with something, with a visceral attack. And what I wanted to do, I, it wasn't enough for me to just take this boss down. It's an optional boss in some ways anyway. I wanted to t- take this boss apart. And I was infuriated at my inability to do this um, for many, many tries. Um and then following that, went to Gascoigne, destroyed him. <laughs> just, just, because I was like, I, I want to be, you know, I just wanted to take Bloodborne bosses head on. I enjoy facing the horror in that way. And so to me, that was the approach. And I, I guess, speaking of the aggression of Gascoigne, you have to meet it. I just tore into him with the cane and it was fantastic it was a wonderful fight and then i just went right upstairs yeah (laughs) and i think it depends on what you lean into though right which is and i actually forget i don't know that the stat is actually called dexterity in uh they have skill i know i think it's it's a skill build Yeah. yeah yeah but uh yeah it does depend on whether you're interested in like big lumbering damage output uh, or if you want to be more dexterous and fast and quick and sneaky. Because, yeah, I just have a hard time sinking my axe into Gascoigne before he uh, destroys me. But anyway, um, I've I've been enjoying it exactly as much as I thought I would, in spite of the frustration of that particular boss fight. But, yeah, I think the moral is just that Don has class. And, I, I, uh, I played with uh, an axe run, too, so it's really just me... <laughs> playing a lot of bloodborne uh. <laughs> but it is i'm looking for i'm looking for a good scary season game so i'm gonna do uh i'm do a little bloodborne i think i'm gonna download amnesia i think the amnesia collection i can get from playstation uh and then well i i mean word on the street that i think you all have probably heard already too is that you know the beginning of metroid dread actually has perhaps a certain element of dread yeah to it so would love that we'll see yeah yeah it definitely starts off with a chase or being chased at some point by a partially crippled uh m or whatever they're called emma or something the robots oh Uh, is that the bird thing is that what those things are you're a bird thing the robots what are the what's the bird thing that (laughs) All right, we're gonna move on. It's a delayed reaction. What is the the bridge thing that holds the power ups? What are those called? Those are Chozo. Those are Chozo. Chozo. Yes, no, not Chozo. Okay. But one attacks you. I remember one attacks you. I was reminded me one attack. One attacks you in Super Metroid. It does. It's it's great. It's such a good fake out. Yeah. 
because you just think you're getting the the gift of the power up and then it stands up for a change oh i remember that yeah, yeah. that was awesome i love that i love that that was a fun boss too that was really cool i like yeah. that one yeah all right uh so before we begin our collective discussion of death loop i know uh I've got one game I really want to talk about, uh, which is probably one of uh, my games of the year pretty easily, which is Sable. Uh, Sable was released uh, on PC and Xbox. Uh, It's on Steam and Game Pass. Uh, It was made by developer Shedworks, which mostly consists of two people. Uh, they did have some help, uh, including the audio was all done by Japanese breakfast. Uh, and and it's not like there's standard music. It's also a lot of kind of even more ethereal, uh, piano, uh, tracks and string instruments that kind of just waft in and out of this game. Uh, the two main inspirations for this game that the developers have cited publicly, uh, one that if you think you look at a couple images is pretty obvious is Mobius, uh, the French uh, graphic novelist, uh, artist of BD, of Bande Zinée, uh comic books in France, uh, known for his work with Jodorowsky in the Incal series, among other things. Uh, all great reprints are coming out of that, by the way, on Dark Horse of uh, Mobius's work uh, through Dark Horse. Are they uh, translated? Yeah, there's great English uh, reprints of all of his work actually coming out with Dark Horse. Really nice additions and pretty affordable, all things considered. Uh, But, you know, he's famous for this lean clair style, this uh, clear line style. It's Belgian, uh, kind of usually associated with Belgium, of just really tight lines with kind of like vast swaths of light colors, uh, intricate detail alternating with just kind of a flat there's not a lot of shading compared to some comic book art so it produces kind of almost a sense of flatness even though it's still 3d and it's interesting to see artists translate that into a 3d open world and it is an open world uh the start of it is very reminiscent of the start of breath of the wild and that you're kind of like taking off a few boxes to get out of a very small enclosed area you're not on a plateau uh, but nonetheless, there has that cut. You're in a canyon. I, I um, have seen reviewers. Uh, what a memorable headline was that it was as though Breath of the Wild could have played Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. There's definitely. I like that. Uh, and what is the canyon but an upside down plateau? Exactly. Now we have our uh, headline from when we published <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, and it, you know, it borrows the stamina component uh, from Breath of the Wild to climb anywhere stamina component. Um, but the other inspiration of this game is the first of the new trilogy movies in Star Wars. So Rise of the Skywalker. Is that right? It was the first one. Force Awakens. Rise of the Skywalker was the last one. Uh, yeah, thank you. Force Awakens. So just the opening section with Rey scavenging starships. And you do that in this game. You scavenge these starships. Uh, and there was a review in Kotaku by Renata Price that I think really nicely summed up what's great about one of the things that's great about this game, which is that you could confuse it for a post-apocalyptic game, but it's not. Like tonally, it's just not at all. Uh, That that goes with what we were talking about last time. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's these crashed starships and stuff, but you never get the sense that you're living in the bad times. People seem reasonably content. You're not trying to save the world. You're you're this young woman named Sable who's going out on a rite of passage uh, to discover who she is and what she will be for her society, her nomadic group. Um... And that means you take this hover bike and you cruise around on the you know desert sands, meeting people, doing running errands. There's a great little mystery in the city of Ecria. Uh, and you know, you solve this kind of like conspiracy that took power away from the city. 
Uh, and But you never get a sense that you're trying to save the world. You're just trying to find out who you are, what you're going to be for your society. And by what you're going to be, I mean you go around fulfilling tasks for different types of people, like a machinists are a guild. So you might do these machinist tasks. And if you get enough badges from these people, you can get the mask because you're always masked. And the developers have said, look, we couldn't do faces. Just like doing faces was going to be too much. And they turned that into a strength. And it really is a strength because you're gaining these masks that are associated with your social identity. And they're, you know, it just works in terms of that kind of logic of finding yourself, right? Uh, though writing is wonderful. It has the exact right sense of humor for this kind of game. Jokey, but not too jokey. Um, it's a happy game. And it makes me happy playing it. It's a buggy mess a little bit too, I'll just be honest. And not even just buggy, but like the frame drops are pretty bad. Like you'll definitely have moments where you hit like, you know, six FPS or something. Um, and, it, and you feel it. it. I know it's made some people sick playing it because of that. And hopefully that is, that is chugging. That. That's deadly premonition it, it, territory. It has, yeah, no, it's definitely gets into that territory. Uh, but it doesn't matter to me. Like it clips in weird ways. It's just, it's still one of the best games I've played in a long time. And it, it gives that openness that you get from Breath of the Wild, but it takes away that need to be a protagonist that's saving the world. And instead you can just be somebody who's trying to figure out what it might mean to be an adult. In a beautiful desert land with different biomes right there's like a little forest that's wonderful uh you know the equivalent of towers or you can climb up to these cartographers that are in balloons that have they've tethered to like weird landmarks and you know like in breath of the wild and the far cry games and things like that they're kind of like little puzzle like platforming puzzles to get up to the top and then you can buy a map you know, of the surrounding area. But even then, it's like a very minimal map. Um, Nate might be willing to tolerate it. <laughs> Maybe. I am going to write a, a piece complaining about maps here pretty mm-hmm. soon. I'm going to, and, and the fact that Elden Ring is going to have a map. But yeah, that's the game I've been loving. I've played a couple other games that are not, like Kena, Bridge of Spirits is kind of meh. Um, it's beautiful. But there's just a lot of weird design mistakes, like having you start from before a boss battle and having like a set of waves of enemies and like going through dialogue before a boss battle when you fail at the boss battle instead of just starting you at the beginning of the boss battle, which I have to admit is a thing that I just hate in any game. That's that's something that Wario World gets wonderfully correct. Uh, and it's on theme. For it, you collect all these coins, and normally, like a Mario game, you get a hundred, you get a one-up, or or a continue, or something. Wario doesn't bother with any of that shit. You straight up collect coins, and if you die, a pause menu more or less shows up, and it says, "Pay us coins." And as you go through the game, you have to pay more and more, and you can continue. And you continue instantly right where you left off. So <laughs> it really is just a pause. It isn't like you go back to the start of the level or the, you started the boss fight or whatever. Nope. Wario pays the money. He takes his chance. And I <laughs> loved it. I mean, it was just such an efficient way to deal with that situation, right? And on theme, yeah. <laughs> and on theme. Yeah. But yeah, I'm playing Lost Judgment as well. Which I just started a couple days ago, which is great. Um it has some content issues that people have flagged dealing with the way it handles sexual assault, but I haven't decided how I feel about that, so I won't talk about that. Uh, but, you know, you're a PI. It's more Yakuza, basically, and it's sticking with the real-time combat, so it's fun beating people up in Tokyo. Can I steal it back for just a second before we do Deathloop, since yeah. I haven't played Deathloop? Yeah, you um, should talk about Eastward, right? I Yeah, I did want to talk about Eastward uh, real quick, just because we were in the context of of different kind of Zelda-like, but of Zelda-likes, I think. And I don't know. Have any of you other guys played or looked at this at all? I have I've downloaded. looked at it. Yeah, I, I have would downloaded. Like to play it. <laughs> I have looked at it. Yeah, I mean, so 
Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that Eastward... So, Eastward is explicitly uh, Zelda-like. Like, wears that badge proudly and on purpose from the opening splash screen, right? All the way into everything else. There are references that explicitly go back to... Link's Awakening about a hero washing up on a beach. There are things related to like wisdom, power, and courage. Like it's very that's pretty direct. (laughs) Loudly, like you're we're referencing a bunch of Zelda stuff because if you're playing this, you probably like Zelda style games. The setting, I think, is beautiful and really well done and cool that you start underground in this mining community and there's a slightly hokey but i can follow it sort of warning that you don't go up you don't go out you don't try to find your way out because there's bad bad things on the surface and you spend enough time in this mine where you kind of go about a bunch of pretty mundane stuff. Like the beginning of the game is very much like you're this older guy named John who found a girl while he was working in the mines. And there's not a lot about her backstory that, you know, right off the bat from the beginning, her name's Sam. And you kind of, at the beginning, you, you get Sam enrolled in school uh, and you cook and you help clear some like gross like electric slug monsters out of the mines and it started off pretty slow but then i got to a point where i was on my way out of the underground world and i was in the ancient ruins they're called in the on the map and the ancient ruins were i mean for all intents and purposes like an abandoned shopping mall and with uh, complete with like broken escalators that go down into pools of water and sort of the first real boss that you face in the game is like a obviously like what was supposed to be a kind of trash picking up like trash compactor robot that has turned kind of evil and confused um it has i mean it, it has a lot of charm i think if you're interested in games that remind you of link to the past but have different characters and subtly different mechanics uh it's it's does that the how do i describe this as i play it i frequently feel like it is working really really hard to be your next favorite indie game and some that is a vibe there are things about it that it certainly accomplishes i do really like although it takes too long for it to happen you can eventually switch between john and sam and where john has sort of the more offensive attacks that he does with this great big frying pan and he's got the bombs and stuff and sam the little girl has defensive sort of magical powers that you can charge up in different ways. And that's cool. Especially once you get there, which takes too long, but once you get there, you can really, it changes the combat dynamic in really cool ways. Um, But everything else, I feel like, I don't know. I hope this isn't unfair to say, but I feel like you would check off, your quirky indie game bingo card really really fast uh you know sort I, of i have i have a question for yeah, you yeah about yeah yeah w- w- what do you think don well uh so so on previous episodes right you've discussed a, a fair few other zelda likes right and i'm actually uh, more curious hearing you talk about indie game bingo card and and how closely it resembles link to the past I'm more curious about how it stacks up to some of the other Zelda likes you played. Um, I remember you talking about Lena's Inception, and I really wanted to play it, and it's, it's still on my list. Um, and I remember that one having a little bit more of an experimental thing going on when you were describing it. Uh, how does this compare to that? Yeah, I mean, I think Lena's Inception 
wears its influences a little bit more tongue in cheek uh, because Lena's exception, ex- Lena's inception, <laughs> like explicitly has a room where you walk into and there's this old sort of grizzled mentor looking guy and his corpse is on the floor. And the first few letters of it's dangerous to go alone are like scrawled in blood on the ground. And it's so rad. It's so good. <laughs> and your whole job in this game is you were supposed to be the person who was going to step up and explain to the hero how to be the hero. And then the hero gets killed right away it's not even a spoiler it happens right away and then you're like well shit like i have to i guess someone has to step in and help because there's nobody else around and i'm the only person who has the necessarily knowledge to do it uh and it also i think plays with the zelda like um framework as we talked about kind of at length already by making the dungeons procedurally generated you can have your feelings about that but i would say that by having very specifically zelda style bomb related puzzles in the very beginning of eastward i feel like that's a different kind of callback And it's a callback that some people are really going to like because they really love having a new way to have an old experience. And it's a callback that, in my case, felt like it didn't make it new, if I could use the sort of hackneyed modernist credo, right? Like, like, like it didn't didn't do, I I don't know, I, I felt like, Everything down to the soundtrack was is sort of constructed in a very recognizable way that if you've played an indie game in the last five or six years, there's like loosely one dimensional but still quirky characters who you kind of sometimes they're mysterious and sometimes they're not there's pixel art right which has become this very particular kind of aesthetic uh i I don't know i mean give it a try and see what you think because it's definitely a game worth playing and a game that i have enjoyed playing but i feel like i'm not always sure if it is wearing its intentions so loudly because it's interested in interrogating them or subverting them. I sometimes wonder, I don't know, I guess the most concise way to say what I've been working really hard to figure out how to say for the last several minutes is I am afraid of straightforward nostalgia trips. And I wonder, because I have only played up through, I've beaten the first boss. That's how far I've gotten. And I wonder what's going to happen later on, especially once I get to know more of the story. Because I feel like the game does want want to be much more narratively driven than any Zelda game you, you've, you've ever played. Uh, including Skyward Sword, which tried really, really, really hard, didn't it? Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll <laughs> Tell see. me how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll what see. I've heard about Eastward is that it is a long, surprisingly long game that goes a lot of places, both in the sense of it has a lot of themes that it introduces at various points, arguably too many, but also it just has a lot of settings actually and places that you move from, um, and with a lot of NPCs in each of them. So who knows? Maybe, I mean, that's the question if this more is actually going to be more. I yeah. guess. And every setting, I will say, has been riveting to look at. Every that's setting cool. has been yeah. really cool. And yeah. I recommend it in that regard unreservedly. Yeah. I've really enjoyed that part of it. Cool. Okay, now Deathloop. Sorry, I, I, I'll, no, I'll want, shut up. I wanted to hear you talk about Eastward. Yeah, shut up, Nate. Well, um. I'll shut up because I've never played Deathloop. If I'd played Deathloop, I'd keep talking. I think you'll have opinions anyway. I trust you. <laughs> so, so who wants to start with Deathloop? Who's... I, I think we hand this to Roger. It, Whatever. <laughs> yeah, tell us, Wade Soulsborne guru. Tell us. I am deeply ambivalent about this game. I'm ambivalent too, to be fair. I I like it's a perfect you. place to start from. Tell yeah. me how I you're cannot, ambivalent about that. Uh, I, I hate it. 
and I can't stop that's not playing ambivalence, it. Roger. <laughs> you, it you can't I, stop playing it. Roger, that sounds like something you would love. For some yeah. reason, I'm bouncing off of it, and I don't know what it is. Because, like, the moment that you... So, like, we were talking on the... We were chatting about it online, Don and I, and I, I didn't... Like, of course, there is a Dark Souls thing going on, and I knew that, but for some reason... Dark Souls like caught me and this one is like bouncing more off of me. Although maybe not. I don't know. I think one of the things that gets me, and I said this at one point in our conversation is that it's very, I mean, and this is no surprise. It's very repetitive. It's extremely repetitive. Um, and I feel like the times in which I enjoy it the most are the times in which I see some new detail that I hadn't seen before, but that doesn't, that doesn't often happen. Like it, like, uh, like I'll go through periods of, um, just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then may, maybe just me, I feel like I'm being dumb in some way. Like there's some aspect of the way it non-linearly tells the story that I'm not keying into or something like that. Um, the thing I don't like, I guess, is like, so you have to like kill all these people. You have to get their slabs, which give you powers. And then you can get, Sorry. I know, right? <laughs> and then you can so get, weird. and then you, there's like each slab there's has superpowers. Like, <laughs> yeah, each slab has like three, is it three or two? like uh ways to modify it like multiple you can plug in two it. upgrades but i think there are actually more than two for each of them so like ideally yeah. you would want to kill these people three times yeah. at least before you actually kill them and so like before you, you kill them all mission. in one day yeah before you but, yeah. do the actual thing and like so like i've been in this like oh i gotta get the slab oh i gotta do this I gotta do, like and uh, maybe it's my ADHD too. Like I just, there's so much going on too in this game. Like where like, I just get caught up in another, like while I'm like going on one mission, I get caught up in something else and I end up fighting and I'm like, why am I even fighting? I'm not doing my mission. And I have to go back to my mission where I died. Like I died a lot at the beginning and yeah. So I don't know. I'm ambivalent about it. There's a lot, yeah. but there's a lot to like. So like the whole aesthetic is amazing. It's a little goofy. I love the characters. I love their uh, back and forth. It's it, it's a tone that's that's very refreshing in terms of a video game. I think. Um, yeah, the aesthetic is like a like a '60s sort of pop art aesthetic filtered through like punk. Right. It's almost like if, you know, how like a punk artist would paint. I, I've, I've heard like kind of late 60s, like starting into the 70s. You have that era of media with, you know, uh, this happening with film, too. Right. Where things just start to seep in that are a little more grimy and sinister into the day glow of, of the 60s. And it and Deathloop does it, it. It splits that for its visual design really effectively. It's right about there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the premise of the game, just so folks know if they haven't, is you are stuck in a time loop. You're doing this day over and over again. Uh, and the way to break it, presumably, is to kill all eight, quote unquote, visionaries uh, in a single day. And so what you're doing in this game is learning how you can kill them all in a single day. Right. Because that means a limited amount of time. You have to find where they're going to be at it. There's four discrete times in each day, morning, noon, afternoon, and evening. And so you're trying to figure out how to like organize your playthrough of a day so that you can take them all out most efficiently. Can I just ask real quick for the benefit of, of people like me who don't know, is it like Outer Wilds where it would give something away to say how long the day is? So no, because each part of the day is as long as you want it to be. You can oh, play for as long as you want. I actually like that aspect about it quite a bit. Yeah. Like so, like each of those four discrete times of day, 
uh, are like variations on level design. So the cool. levels get shuffled around where the NPCs are, where the enemies, uh, different parts of the level. Like there will be like, you'll see a car, you know, that, you know, is in one place in the morning and then like in the afternoon, it's like crashed into a wall. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. I will uh, say that like the powers, I don't know. I don't know how like, I haven't been doing a lot with the powers, but like the slabs, but I find myself using shift and a, and a blade all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm just playing dishonored again. Like, except when things go crazy and I run away and end up dying, like it feels there's a very dishonored feeling to that. So what I, what it wants me to play. And uh, that's interesting. I'm playing it completely different than that because I, I don't think I've played it as much as you have. Um, I'll, I'll start with that uh, because I've been playing Warrior World and other games like that. Because <laughs> um, why play the hot new game that you just purchased when you can play a GameCube game? Right. <laughs> That's what uh, I'm always asking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Nate gets it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so as, as far as I've played it, I really like the moments in games like Dishonored where I've been stealthing around, blinking to the toss of lampposts, and I drop down, and I bring out the sword, and, you know, getting all of my silent assassin stuff on, uh, and then I fuck up. <laughs> it's inevitable for me. I, I, I in, unless I am save-scumming in a game like that, um, which I have no qualms about doing, I'm going to be spotted accidentally, I mean, really, I'll, I'll be in a zone. I'll just have not even notice that there's a guard or a camera or something um, and uh, trip some alarm. Who knows? There's so many opportunities to get spotted, even if I'm moving really carefully. And then, of course, you're swarmed with guards and mechanized stilt-walking things and, and all of that in, in Dishonored. And that's fun. And and I and I enjoy then having to brawl my way out of it or being left dead on the pavement and having to reload. Um, I enjoy that. And then usually I try and go back to my stealthy ways once I, I reload and until I screw up again. And in Deathloop, something I really like is the saves coming is in a way built right in. You start off with a superpower that you get to rewind to a spawn point when you die three times within a level. Um, and I love that uh, because it means that I can get spotted, start shooting. I just, you know, I'm, I'm Frank Reynolds from Always Sunny, right? I, so then I started blasting. Uh, I, and, and it's really fun. And usually I, I've set up a death trap or, some, you know, a machine gun drone nest or something nearby. I know I mentioned that on, on uh, our Slack as well. Um, and I can retreat to that or something like, you know, along those lines. And so I've, you know, I, I'm all geared up for, for shooting, uh, right? I, 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 I blade kill some people, but I know I'm going to screw up. So instead, I have a gun that shoots bullets that explode into poison. And I have a thing equipped that gives me poison resistance, but no one else has it. So I just blink at the area when I get spotted. And I, I mean, I, I just cause chaos in the game. Uh, and I, I, I killed everyone in, in an area. Just I wiped the map clean of enemies without even realizing it. Uh, the trophy popped. Uh, and it said, you've killed everyone in the entire area. And I went, oh, really? So there's a couple <laughs> moments. And I actually think this is a good aspect of the game. There's a couple moments where the game sus like sets a trap for you in terms of if you do that. So one of those, I, I don't want to get into a spoiler, but there's a character <laughs> who has control over, I think, a nuclear reactor. And if you do something like that in her headquarters, which you have to go to at one point, she'll just blow the entire island, basically. Uh, and I learned that the hard way. With <laughs> that a is so good. I learned lost. that this game is, for me, I learned that like five times. I think this game for me is, and it literally plays out like, you know, that stupid quote that's like, if you keep doing the definition of insanity is like, keep, you keep doing the same thing 
and expect different results. Like I am like that. I don't know why this game does that to me. Like, but I will die six or seven times. And I'm like, what am I even doing? Like, what I'm am I doing? Oh, I'm doing the same thing. Like, like it's weird. Well, it's because this game does sometimes feel like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Sometimes it feels like it wants to be a shooter. Sometimes it feels like it really wants to be a stealth game. In a lot of ways, it's pretty clearly the game where Arcane said, hey, we've produced these powers that people didn't really get to use in the way that they might have wanted to use it in our other games, so let's let them just go crazy. And they produced a good premise for that, right? Which is um, what I'm doing. Yeah, which is mostly what I'm doing, too. Uh, I'll play stealthy here and there. And, and I think I'm I think I'm probably 70% through the game. I, I, see the, I see the horizon for the end of the game at this point. I feel like I know... I have like two more visionaries that I need to figure out where to place them. Uh, but I know how I'm getting my multiple kills in different parts of the day. I, I, I know mostly where people are going to go, you know, for those different parts. Uh, I figured out what the relationship between uh, Julia, Juliana and Cult is at this point, which I will not spoil. It's a very specific thing. Uh, by the way, I will just say the voice acting in this game is amazing. It is by far the best banter that I have experienced in a game in a very long time, if ever. Uh, it is a real highlight of the game, and I think these the voice actors are going to get awards for their uh, roles in this game, and they deserve it. Uh, but I'm just not sure there's much story in this game compared to the Dishonored games or Prey. Uh, and I love arcane storytelling, and I just feel a little bit like I'm, I don't want to say being robbed, that's not fair to them, but I feel like I went into this expecting tons of reading material, uh, like short stories, you know, and things like that. And what I got were like very, very miniaturized magazine articles about people like Elon Musk, except it's just like four questions and the answers to those four questions and pretty terse and Nonlinear storytelling, yeah, but I also get the sense that there's like not much of a story to be told. And I hope I'm wrong and something at some point it's gonna unveil it, but I feel like I'm running out of runway for that. Yeah. Um, I mean I've I've heard other reviews complain about that, the sort yeah. of smaller storytelling. And I love those. that idea. This game did not have enough reading material. There was just, <laughs> I know. Not enough to sit and read when I was playing my video game. Not enough audio <laughs> recordings either, Nate. Uh, that is kind of my favorite thing, though, in games when you get those, though. Yeah, I love that. Like, shit. Deus uh, Ex does that really well. And, like, yeah. uh, System Shock. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's the old I'm excited for shock. System Shock Remaster. That's going to give me all the audio recordings I want. Um, and it's going to tell me I'm a horrible cybernetic piece of meat can't wait system shock 3 might come out in the next five years it could uh, happen it could it could it could not you heard uh, it here first you heard it here first <laughs> no system shock 3 is in development supposedly but they were part of uh, what is that northern european company that like got indicted uh for fraud for financial fraud they were that was was, was it starbreeze yeah they were i think starbreeze published uh, watch me be wrong and have that be libelous oh no yeah. <laughs> we didn't and do that one that's <laughs> how gamers with glasses just fell right apart yeah we went from not making any money to being in the hole for like to having negative money yep um, I hope you guys enjoy your indentured servitude uh, <laughs> yeah I think it's a good I'm already a grad student Christian <laughs> uh, Could that be the title of the episode? I'm already a grad student. I'm already a grad student, Christian. <laughs> Colin. I'm director of the English graduate mentoring program in my department. Um, Yay! Yay! So I get to be depressed about all kinds of things uh, without living that. Um, on that note, <laughs> oh, I am totally <laughs> making a sad sack version of the soundtrack to play this one out, or the theme uh, song rather to play this one out. I'm gonna. Make I, it you know, it would be a really terrible sequel to, but I'm a cheerleader, but I'm a grad student. Oh my god! Oh my god! So the short version of. Uh, Death Loop seems to be we're all enjoying aspects of it, but there's also aspects that frustrate us. 
and it worries me personally a little bit that their next game, which I don't remember the title of at the moment, maybe Redfall, is that right? Something like that. Uh, which looks interesting, is going to be more of a live service game. It's definitely co-op. It's definitely, you know, has that kind of like, I don't know. I just, I worry that it's going to continue a trend of skimping on the storytelling, but maybe I'll be wrong. Well, I'll and wrong. I will say also, like we didn't talk about the multiplayer aspect, which I think is kind I of cool. I hate the multiplayer aspect. I just, I think the idea of it is cool. It's just that I don't like the fact that I can be like, that I'm in being invaded constantly. Like I just, you know, it's like, it's fine. Sometimes, sometimes you're invaded and that happens. You have to deal with it. It would be nice if there was some mechanism and maybe I'm just not, maybe I just don't know what the mechanism is, but like I went through a, a, a like a whole, a, a few sessions where I was getting invaded like every time and dying. Yeah. Uh, this one person was a total jackass to me. I To you killed, personally, Roger Whitson. To me personally, I had, had like some residuum. I was literally punching in the number to get back into the door and it the stupid Juliana killed me like out of nowhere. It was so annoying. So, so Juliana cyber bullied Roger Whitson yeah. and Colt. I got trolled by <laughs> Juliana. She is minute. a troll. Yeah, she is. And it's part of the great voice troll. acting. She, yeah. she uh, from this, this is a, a character that from the start of the game is on the other end of the, you know, player character Colt's radio. And she taunts him because she knows everything that goes on and every time colt thinks he figures something out like oh yeah i got this thing it's all over for you now he says into the radio juliana says i've got that you're not special <laughs> yeah which is great makes you feel like shit right <laughs> yeah all right so let's call it folks all right thanks for listening uh thank you cheers mm-hmm.